MDOT presents The Extra Mile with Paul and Waverly. Welcome in to another edition of The Extra Mile podcast presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm Paul, joined by my co-host Waverly. And we had plans for this podcast. And then, of course, everyone knows Mother Nature Strike, Hurricane Ida. So today on the podcast, we have MDOT PIO Katie Hornsby, who is our producer and as well covers the Southern District right now for us. And she and that includes hurricanes. Also, later in the show, we will talk to Shane Martin, who is the head of the construction division here at MDOT. And he's going to take us through the construction process. Um, but yeah, so we're joined here with MDOT PIO and our uh, lovely producer, Katie Hornsby. She is the MDOT's uh, Southern District PIO, and she's going to tell us a little bit about Hurricane Ida and MDOT's response. Yeah, so, you know, Hurricane Ida, I'm sure everybody had their eyes glued to the TV um, as she formed and began making her way uh through the Gulf and um, into Louisiana. At the beginning, uh, the, the way she was tracking and her strength and everything like that, we were predicted to get hit pretty hard, um, not only the coasts where we usually think of impacts from hurricanes, but also southwest Mississippi into central Mississippi. And so going into that, I mean, we were, our guard was up. We were ready. We were preparing. We were, we were doing everything we can ahead of Hurricane Ida. And so we actually, um, we did sustain damage in a lot of different areas throughout our state, um, but it wasn't as bad as we predicted it to be, which is definitely a blessing, but there was still some cleanup to do. In um, southwest Mississippi, you know, multiple counties, Admit County, um, Adams, Walthall, um, you know, just widespread southwest Mississippi. There was, you know, signals that were damaged, traffic signals. There was uh, trees, debris in the roadways. Um, there were some closures, different things like that. Uh, there's been some congestion that had happened after the storm, a few days after. You know, just people from Louisiana coming in, trying to uh, get some gas, different resources, supplies, different things like that. So Southwest Mississippi, um, they were hit pretty hard considering the storm and um you know they've been working to clean up they work diligently to do it and uh, you know we thank those men and women down in south mississippi uh highway 90 it's usually the area that tends to get hit pretty hard just mainly because of the storm surge you have the storm surge that causes flooding um it brings sand and debris and everything like that on the roadways and just like with a regular severe weather um it caused flooding on Highway 90, and so our crews were able to hit the ground running as soon as it was safe and um, began clearing debris. And um, it's taken a few days, and it's been a, a an effort, but as always, they are able to um, get things rolling and get uh, traffic moving again, so we thank them as well. And um, there's a few other closures, 604, due to uh, flooding as well, and uh, a couple things like that, as well as Central Mississippi. But in the uh, southeast Mississippi, there was a washout on State Route 26. That was, uh, I saw it in person, and pictures don't do it justice. It was a really serious washout, and um, that's something that we're currently dealing with. 
Yeah, so um, you said that you were down there and you spoke with the district engineer, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about what he said? I did. I spoke with uh, Kelly Castleberry and he, you know, walked us through what exactly happened as well as, you know, what's next? You know, how do we make repairs? How long it might take? You know, he really walked us through it. And so um, instead of me rehashing that, we actually... uh, filmed him talking about it so we're going to actually play that for y'all so y'all can hear firsthand. Pretty much right now Highway 26 in George County uh, we have a section of the highway that looks like it's gone through a slide and what that is the soil looks like it was saturated and uh, we had heavy rains in the area last night of course we've had heavy rains this year and of course with Ida just coming over us the soil looks like it liquefied and the highway just slid and uh, of course we had a major slide and we lost the section of the highway. And, you know, where do we kind of go from here? Um, you know, what are the next steps? Right now, MDOT's assessing the situation. We're in the process of doing a survey using LIDAR. Uh, that way we can get a good feel of the roadway condition, the size of the hole, the size of the slide. Uh, we're in the process of getting utilities moved in order for remediation to begin. So MDOT will take that survey back. We'll look at the geotechnical aspect of this area and we'll design a fix for this road and then we'll let an emergency contract to make a repair to Highway 26. Okay, and uh, again, that was Kelly Castleberry um, kind of recapping what happened and what the next steps are. And we will continue to keep y'all updated. It's, it's going to be a process, and we will keep y'all updated um, along the way. Thank you for that, Katie. And so what can Mississippi residents and drivers take away from this hurricane? Yeah, it's important to remember to treat a hurricane, to take it seriously, and um, to treat it like it's going to be, you know, potentially a Category 4, and to prepare, to prepare early by getting your evacuation plan in place, and to have an emergency kit. You know, we saw before Ida got close or made landfall, there was an increase of people on the roadways doing their last-minute errands, uh, choosing to evacuate last minute, and that caused a lot of congestion, and, if, if you want to avoid that and not be stuck on the roadways and, um, you know, help continue to keep everybody safe, then it is important to plan early and, um, and to stay off the roadways as much as possible because our crews are going to be out there trying to prep the roadways and get them ready ahead of the storm. And um, that's why it's so important for people to stay home to, again, keep that congestion down as well as um, allow enough room on the roadways for our men and women to do the work that they need to do ahead of the storm. And it's so important not only to try and stay home right before the storm hits while we're prepping the roads, but during the storms as well and right after because as we go out after the storm, we're surveying the roadways. We're seeing, you know, if there's any damage done, um, if any roads have been compromised due to floodwaters or Um, you know, anything like that. So it's important to, if possible, stay in one place right before, during, and after the storm. It'll help keep you safe as well as our men and women who are, um, who are out there trying to keep the roadway safe. Absolutely. And it's always important um, to be prepared. And even in the event that you don't, nothing happens, it's always better to be prepared than not. It's so true. And you know, a lot of times people will say, should I get prepared? It might not be as bad as, you know, it's being predicted. And you know what, if you do prepare and you do evacuate and nothing happens, all you did was evacuate and keep yourself safe. 
You know, you don't lose anything by... It's a test run. Exactly. It's a test run, if nothing else. So you never really lose anything when you stay prepared and um, and you react and, properly. And so hurricane season, even though we just dealt with this, it goes on till end of November. So can you pitch the, uh, the MDOT Hurricane Preparedness Resources one more time before we get you out of here? Of course. So we've got our... Um, well, we have our normal resources, the MDOT Traffic app, as well as mdottraffic.com, and you can use those year-round um, to monitor the roadways and, um, you know, traffic alerts, different stuff like that. We have uh, goemdot.com slash hurricanes, which maps out everything for hurricane season, what you need to know, checklist, uh, contraflow information, um, everything like that. You can find all of that information as well in our evacuation guides and you can um, actually order those get them sent to your house at goem.com slash maps and of course I have to plug our social media because it is such a useful tool that people can use and it's right on your phone um, at Mississippi DOT on Facebook and Twitter give us a follow and um, we keep those sites up to date as much as possible so people are aware and um, they have the latest information to keep them safe Thank you so much for joining us, Katie. Great information. Thanks, Katie. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. I'm Charles Carr, Director of Intermodal Planning for MDOT. As the fight against COVID-19 continues, limited access to transportation to vaccination sites has become a concern, particularly for persons with transportation challenges. In an effort to help residents in need of vaccination, MDOT is supporting a statewide initiative that assists local residents schedule free rides to local COVID-19 vaccination sites. You can call 1-866-813-3616 to be connected to a regional call center and for more information. Shane Martin is the construction engineer here at MDOT, and we're really excited to have him. So, Shane, can you tell us a little bit about how you got your start here at MDOT? Sure, and thank you for having me. Uh, I graduated from Mississippi State, like most of us engineers here, in December of 1997. Uh, began at MDOT in the bridge division in January of 98 as an engineer in training. Uh, stayed there for about two years, then left, did a little short stint with a consulting firm, decided I wanted to come back, so I returned to MDOT in July 2000 in the uh, geotechnical branch of materials division. Stayed there for 11 years. Came to construction division in September of 2011 as the area engineer for District 3, which is in Yazoo City, and District 7 in Macomb. And then in January of 2017, I was promoted to assistant state construction engineer. And then here recently, uh, June of 2021, I was appointed uh, state construction engineer after my predecessor, Earl Glenn, was promoted to district engineer in Yazoo City. Shane, we were, we were talking before the show about the construction process. And it's very complex and learned, and it's very obvious that MDOT doesn't just decide to do a construction project one day and start. There are a lot of things that happen. So tell us, what warrants a need for an MDOT construction project? Well, uh, you know, there's several different examples. Uh, you know, one, there could be a major company or manufacturer, for example, like Nissan, Continental Tire, 
uh, Toyota that we've had here recently that, uh, you know, they decide they want to locate their uh, business here and, and after a, a location is selected, then, you know, it's up to us to provide that infrastructure to support that facility. Uh, that's one uh, example of need. Uh, other examples include adding capacity to a given highway to reduce congestion or alleviate, you know, backups, that kind of thing. Uh, we widened I-55 South from McDowell Road to Byram. Uh, finished that a few years ago. Uh, we're currently working on Highway 49, uh, widen, widening it to six lanes from uh, Richland to Florence. So to help alleviate some congestion, uh, sometimes we have safety projects uh, that you know, we see a need to improve an intersection where you know, something may be considered dangerous or based on crash data or something like that. Also, uh, you know, some of our state highways may be uh, a little narrow in spots or curvy in spots and we try to widen or alleviate curves where we can. Uh, we have routine district maintenance projects that uh, the districts really prioritize those based on their, their need, based on how uh, deteriorated the pavement is. And then of course our, we have a interstate maintenance plan that we develop, that we have a committee that rides all the interstates in the state every year and develops a three-year interstate maintenance plan for that. So those are just some of the examples of need, of how you determine the need for a project. And so when you talk about uh, the interstate maintenance plan and how you draft those, the interstates uh, once a year, and is that just to, that's a, only to improve the interstates, correct? Right. Our interstate system is broken up into segments and, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll see, uh, you know, a segment of I-55 being overlaid for a given year. And that's something that, uh, you know, was determined prior to, uh, or determined during a previous interstate ride that this segment of I-55 in uh, Montgomery County is worse than any other section of I-55 in this given area so that we prioritize different segments of interstates all over the state to uh, come up with when we need to, to overlay those. Okay. And so from the time that a project, you know, becomes an idea to when cars are actually driving on it, what does that timeline usually look like? Uh, well, you know, the once a need is realized, really uh, one of the first things we do is, is we hold what's called a location committee meeting, which is made up of various division personnel and district personnel that's going to be involved in the project. Uh, you know, we, we go out to our, our area engineers and construction division are, are part of this meeting, uh, but we go out and visit a given site. Uh, if we're going to do a bridge replacement, for example, on a state highway in a rural area, then we'll go out and look at it. Uh, we're looking for things uh, like utilities. We're looking for environmental concerns. We're looking for any kind of local concerns that may uh, pop up in our plan development. So an example of a bridge replacement, uh, you know, we usually have three options. We can either close the road and replace the bridge in place. 
uh, if that's an option, uh, but that's based on whether or not it would cause too much of a disturbance to the local area. Uh, we can look at building a detour bridge off to one side and replacing the bridge in place, or we can build a new bridge on new alignment while traffic still runs on the old bridge. You know, those are usually the three alternatives, and we try to make the best recommendation based on the field conditions. And uh, once those recommendations are made, uh, reports put together and sent in for approval, and then uh, once that's approved, then we start moving forward with plan development from there. And uh, this is a team sport. There's a lot of different people at MDOT that are involved. Uh, when does pre-construction kind of start to come into play there? Pre-construction comes in right at, well, I guess the location committee com meeting is, you could consider a pre-construction activity as well. But, uh, um, you know, we have environmental division involved. We have roadway. We have bridge in this example. Uh, the district construction division involved. I'm sure right-of-way division, that's something else we would determine whether or not we need to buy right-of-way. Uh, once all that's figured out, we start developing field review plans, which is basically a, a preliminary set of plans that gives us an idea of putting to paper what we're thinking about when we were out in the field looking at this job to begin with. Uh, once we determine that field review plans look good. Uh, in the example I was talking about with a bridge replacement, you know, when we go out to do a field review, a lot of times the bridge will be staked off. So we have an idea, you know, we want to make sure what we've drawn up initially will work out there, we, that we're not missing something, there, there's no conflicts we need to deal with, uh, like a driveway or something that needs to be relocated. Uh, once that's complete, then we move to an office review stage, which really starts uh, picking up the pace on things. The office review plans are a lot more detailed. They'll have a lot of uh, features in them. They'll have all your pay item quantities and descriptions, you know, like how much asphalt are we going to need? How much concrete do we need for this? How long is the bridge going to be? All that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it'll show all the local features on the roadway sheet, like uh, if there are wetlands, it'll show that. It'll show the terrain of the road, houses, driveways, local businesses, property, right-of-way area, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of little pieces involved. There's lots of little pieces involved. The office reviews, you know, once those plans are complete, then we have an office review where all the players involved, roadway bridge, uh, construction, anybody else district and project office personnel by this you know project engineer that's going to be overseeing this is involved so uh, we all sit down and go through the plans to see if there's any corrections that need to be made depending on the scope and complexity of the project sometimes this can take a couple of hours sometimes it can take a couple of days we've had some that have gone a week uh, I was involved in one one day that I think we started about 10 o'clock that morning in roadway design and I don't remember the exact time that the lights in the building cut out automatically <laughs> but we were there that late and we could not figure out where the little button was to make them come back on because <laughs> they're on a timer 
So we finished that officer view with our phones using the flashlight. And wow. I think we walked out of here about nine o'clock that night. But that's dedication, right yeah. there. Yeah. So <laughs> that really shows how much dedication <laughs> and how, how much goes into construction projects. That's right. So once the plans are hammered out. So when do they actually like go to bid? Is that the next st step in the process? Almost. Uh, okay. Actually, the once final plans are developed, then they are sent to construction division. And then we take those plans and we develop the uh, contract bid proposal. And the proposal contains all the, uh, you know, it contains notice to bidders and special provisions and other information that may not be captured in our standard specifications or in the plans or things like that, such as uh, if we're going to require night work on the job, that's going to be a notice to bidders that you'll see in the proposal. That's not going to be in the, there may be a note in the plans, but that's something you want to call the bidders attention to. So we develop our proposal and we also then in turn develop the state estimate. Uh, once those things are done and we finalize our proposals, then we work with uh, contract administration to get the advertisement ready to go out. And then once projects are advertised, uh, we allow, con you know, they're posted on our GoMDOT page under uh, business center project letting. Uh, we allow contractors to submit questions that we're responsible for answering. Uh, if there are any mistakes in our plans or contract documents that we catch or sometimes they get called our attention uh, we can we can correct those by an addendum that's also posted online uh, and then bids are received uh, the fourth Tuesday of every month we take those bids and we compare them to our state estimate uh, contract administration goes through them to make sure there's no irregularities and then there's a group of staff that makes recommendations to the commission as to whether or not a project should be awarded or rejected based on those bids. And once a, once the projects are awarded, then they go to construction. And they're turned over to the district and the project engineer to, that's going to oversee the construction. And for, you know, by that point, construction division becomes more of a support role. Our area engineers uh, help resolve conflicts or issues that may come up out in the field during construction. You know, try to assist the project engineers on what's the best way to handle a given situation. They also make routine site visits just to check, see how things are going get out there and talk to the project engineers, make sure everything's going okay, stuff like that. Uh, once a project is complete, then the project engineer calls for a final inspection. And again, that's something our area engineers and construction division are involved in. They'll go out with the project engineer, the district personnel, sometimes the contractors there too, and go through and inspect everything, make sure everything looks okay. If there's some minor items that need to be corrected, they notify the contractor of that. And then once it's done, uh, the project engineer informs us that everything looks good and we're ready to release it. So what we do is we write what's called a maintenance release, which is issued to the contractor that lets him know you're done, we're good with the work you've done. And at that point going forward, MDOT takes over maintenance of the facility we just constructed. 
Yeah, so y'all are involved from beginning to end of all yes. these projects. And you specifically, you've been at MDOT for a, uh, a while and in the construction division for a while. Right. What's one of the projects that you've worked on that you're really proud of? Ooh, I've, I've been involved in a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm proud of. Uh, gosh, even before I was in construction division, when I was in the geotechnical branch, I, uh, I was heavily involved in the uh, Greenville River Bridge. I spent a lot of time up there when that was constructed. Uh, in construction division, uh, I was involved partially in the I-55 South widening to Byron. Uh, the office review I was talking about that we had to use our phones as flashlights was a big uh, pavement restoration project in District 7 in Macomb that turned out really nice. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's been several projects I've been involved in, in my, and enjoyed in my career here. Well, thanks so much for uh, telling us all this. This is a lot of information that we've learned about how the process you know, goes from beginning to end. Um, and I just think it shows a lot of the work that MDOT does. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I, I hope I've been informative and helpful and I would, would do this again sometime if well, I need to. Well, we would love to have you back. <laughs> thank you so much, Shane. Thank you. been a very informative i've said and uh before we get out of here i'd like to also say that all our our thoughts and prayers are with everyone affected by ida and on a little bit of a lighter note we have college football season beginning waverly are you excited i'm so excited for college football and i'm also really excited for mdot's road to game day campaign you know safety is one of mdot's top priorities and this campaign focuses on ensuring that the drivers make it to uh, all their games safely and roadside workers remain safe while working on the highways. There's going to be an influx of traffic with college football and with football just in general, traveling all over the southeast to these games. And uh, we want um, drivers to be patient and be smart out, to, out on the roads. No doubt. And we've got a terrific resource to get you to the game on time and safely, the uh, MDOT Traffic app. And you can also visit mdottraffic.com before you head out. Check before you get out. And also... Yeah, and definitely be sure to follow us on uh, social media at Mississippi DOT on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and let's, uh, let's good luck to your teams. Absolutely. Good luck to your teams. And we've got to, before we get out of here, let's thank Katie Hornsby, our wonderful producer, our editor, Drew Hall. Thank you to all for all the hard work that you do. And remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi highways. Mm-hmm.